0: Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, And achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Merry Christmas. At least most of you are probably listening to this during Christmas week. And I have a special episode for you today. But before we dive into this interview episode with one of my rock stars, Michelle, I just want to say, it's okay. Whatever you're feeling right now, whatever your Christmas looks like, no matter how different this year looks from your typical tradition, it's okay. I've learned after losing my brother to be extremely open-minded about how I feel and what I need, especially around these holiday seasons, because holidays typically come with an expectation of joy and tradition and festivities. And this year for a lot of us, that's not happening. And so whether you're feeling sad, angry, frustrated, confused, alone, or anything else in between. It's okay. And I'm telling you this because the one-on-one rock star that I have the pleasure of interviewing in today's episode has made more progress in our six months together than most clients make in an entire year because of what she is going to share with you today. She has learned throughout our time together, she was ready and dedicated to accept herself. The good, the bad, the happy, the sad, she has learned rather than restricting her feelings or trying to distract herself from what she's feeling, her failings even, she's learned how to embrace it, how to feel it, and how to cope in a healthy constructive way. This is huge. I know I talk about this all the time. If you follow me on Instagram at nutrition with Nicole, I am constantly sharing about this deep internal work that I do with my rock stars. You're probably tired of hearing me say it, but I'm not going to stop talking about it because I am a true believer in the fact that we can change the outside as much as we want, but it will not be forever. It will not be sustainable or permanent. And it won't even feel good if we don't first do learn how to change the inside. What are you running from? What are you trying to shove down and numb? What are you trying to avoid? Those are the things, that's the hard internal work that you have to do if you want to create big powerful change that lasts. So sit back, hopefully you're in your PJs with a cup of cocoa or something equally as joyful and learn from Michelle's story. And how accepting yourself, connecting with your body, and acknowledging your feelings rather than running from them has the power to help you change your relationship with food in the best possible ways. Michelle, I would love to kick us off first and foremost by welcoming you to the show. Thanks so much for joining us on the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. Thank you for having me. This is truly a pleasure because you have come full circle. You and I, I think, originally connected because of the podcast. And here we are almost, uh, I want to say a year maybe, have you been listening to the podcast? How long has it been?
1: Yeah, it's been, I think, a bit less than a year. So I think I started somewhere in the spring, nine months, I would say. Um, but it's definitely been nice to follow that journey and follow what you've been doing as well and also take part in the, in your coaching. So I've, uh,
0: I'm seeing the full spectrum now. <laughs> I love it from listener to guest. Welcome. Welcome. Thank Michelle, you. for everybody, tell us a little bit about yourself. So first of all, where are you geographically? What do you do and what are you into? Give us a little background.
1: What pleasure. Um, so I am calling from Europe, from a small country called switzerland um so center in europe it's um i myself am a young professional who just graduated less than two years ago so i have a corporate full-time job um within the tech industry and i'm also very passionate about the fitness world which is why i also got my um, fitness instructor degree which then puts me into that whole journey that we're having together um, i am someone who's always been a perfectionist Um, Someone who's always very much enjoyed putting a lot of work in what I do, a lot of effort in what I do. So, yeah, I think uh, we got to work a lot on that
0: as well and explore the sides of being a bit more vulnerable together. Absolutely. We've, We've done some amazing work together and I want us to dive into that a little bit. So, like you mentioned, we've been working together for almost six months now. Tell everyone listening why you initially started coaching. So what was the goal that you were and are trying to reach? Perfect.
1: Um, So for me, it was really because I did that um, fitness degree. I also started getting very interested in the whole nutrition side, Um, but it got to a point where I became very obsessive and actually led to an eating disorder. So I was struggling with a lot of binge eating due to mentally and physically restricting and overtraining and so on. Um, and so that's why I also reached out to you um, to get that level of support and help and try to remedy that. I think it was behavior that was also very counterproductive. So I was trying to achieve the leaner physique, but I was actually putting on more weight than anything else due to those binges. So that was ultimately my objective when reaching out to you.
0: And we, I think after our first conversation, we knew that we were going to be a fantastic fit because I think we can just relate so much to that part of each other's lives. Like having been in this health industry, it's a fine line between walking in a way that adds to your life and gives quality to your life and then takes away because you're doing too much and you're pushing those boundaries beyond what is healthy. So it has been my pleasure to work with you. Truly, you are such a teachable spirit and I've loved every single second of our time together. Thank you. Same here. (laughs) Michelle, I want to brag on you for a a second before we get into today's podcast topic, which I think is going to be so powerful. But tell us a little bit about the progress that you've made over these past six months, because I don't say you're a teachable spirit lightly. I mean, you you came in with a goal, you were driven, you were dedicated, and you were committed to yourself. That doesn't mean that you haven't hit bumps along the way. Everybody does, and you're no exception, but you have persevered in such an amazing way that you've turned every bump, every failure, every setback into feedback that you can apply moving forward. And that is a huge reason why you have been so successful. So tell us a little bit, I know this might be uncomfortable to kind of share your successes and toot your own horn, so to speak, but tell us about the progress that you've made over these past couple months that you feel the most proud of. Well, first of all, thank you
1: so much for those compliments. It really means a lot. Um, I'm seeing as well that your support means a lot to me and it helps me move in that direction and see those little obstacles as feedback rather than being critical again. And that's exactly what I think we achieved together. Um, So I really managed to develop like an emotional intelligence and an emotional side, which I was always avoiding and pushing back um so I managed to I'm someone that's very logical that likes to operate my rational brain um, and so it was difficult for me at first to actually accept the fact that I had feelings and that I had ups and downs and that not everything could always be perfect 100% of the time and so that also requires a lot of vulnerability where I it was really uncomfortable for me at first to do so um, but like you say, practice makes permanent. So we practiced that, we did a lot of mindfulness exercises, and we got to a point where I became more and more comfortable with doing things because I feel like it, so a bit more intuitively, rather than doing things because
0: in theory, they're what I should do, basically. It's easy in the disordered eating brain, like you said, you're a rational thinker, I want to do the right thing and tick all the boxes and follow all the rules. But when it comes to nutrition and health, there are no rules that across the board apply to everyone. And I think that that mindset that there is that chasing of the perfect diet, the magic pill is what gets us in so much trouble sometimes. And you have come so far from having that disordered uh, relationship with food and that mindset of all or nothing to But What is my body trying to tell me and how can I honor my body by just trying to listen to it and then act based off what's in my best interest today, whether that's with regard to meals or exercise or self-care, that's huge. But I think what we want to dive into the most, Michelle, and why ultimately we chose to press record on today's podcast episode is because of the amazing progress that you've made in learning how to listen to, acknowledge, and process your emotions, especially as you manage this work from home life balance that we're all dealing with right now in 2020. But I think, and you've heard me say this before, many people listening have probably heard me say this before, it's not about the food we eat. It's about the stories we tell ourselves about the food that we eat. And it's not as though we have a problem with food when we overeat or we undereat or we restrict or we binge. That's just the solution that our brains are choosing we have to dig into what the problem is the trigger and a lot of that is very deeply emotional which is very uncomfortable at times for us to unpack and dive into and you have been so willing to do that and so i think that's really where we want to take this conversation is the power of acknowledging and processing emotions rather than trying to numb avoid or distract from them tell me, do you feel like that is something that you think has been a big player in your progress? Like, did you ever imagine yourself feeling and processing your emotions the way that you are now when you were stuck back in that disordered eating mindset? Not at all. So for me, it was really just,
1: I always had that perfectionist vision of, I have to have a certain amount of macros to perform my best. I have to sleep a number of hours, but I also have to perform on the job. I have to be um a great employee i have to be great for my friends i have to organize social activities so it's just setting all of those unrealistic goals so by itself it can be very realistic but adding those up just became very unrealistic and then on top of that adding restriction in a certain sense to what i was eating and just yeah blocking myself of you're not allowed to go out to eat um at your parents place because it's then more calories on your meal whatsoever. So it's just building all of that frustration by yourself is actually something I didn't even notice I was doing. Um, and so it was really interesting to break that down, to take everything off of my plate at once. So I'm someone who likes, loves to go walking during um, my lunch breaks, for example, to keep that activity up before I used to see it as need activity. So non-exercising activity, um and now i really just do it because i know it leaves me feeling good it leaves me feeling happy i get to see the sun so i'm not i'm doing the same things basically i'm having the same behaviors but i'm doing that them for a different reason and i'm doing them really because i feel like it rather than i have to do it because that's what the theory says and i think that was really the key moment and the key realization that we had to come to
0: Yeah. So it's the motivation behind the behaviors. Some of the behaviors themselves, like you referenced are exactly the same, but I'm not doing it from a place of punishment or restriction anymore. I'm doing it from a place of honoring and loving and cherishing what my body can do and how I want to feel. And I think Michelle, what really sealed the deal for me was on a recent coaching call check-in form, which for everybody listening All of my rock stars fill this out before we have our coaching calls or our email check-ins. And it basically gives you an opportunity to update me on what's been going on in your life and, and your progress in between our calls. And you said that your biggest win from that week or week and a half since we had spoke last was that you were working to understand what you were feeling. You were getting curious about your emotions rather than trying to run from them. So you were actually sitting with, and I think this was a particularly hard week. 2020 has been a particularly hard year, Mm -hmm. but... I think Switzerland was back in shutdown mode, so gyms were closed, were all locked in, you were isolated, and that comes with a lot of emotions. And instead of resorting to some of those old coping mechanisms like you would have previously, you said, you know what, I'm just going to sit in this suck for a little bit. And then you chose to engage in some healthy coping mechanisms that you knew would actually help you process those feelings. And like you mentioned, taking a good lunch break, getting away from your computer screen. I think you referenced at the time, calling friends and family, um, trying to just express yourself rather than shoving it all down. And you were able to pick yourself up so much faster than before because you didn't repress those feelings. Instead, you just kind of let them be. I think explaining that, it sounds rather, okay, simple, right? Like, so what, Nicole? But you know, having gone through that and many others tuning in, know that that is not an easy journey. Like that evolution takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. Tell us a little bit about that evolution for you. Like, how did you get from, no, I don't want to deal with these bad, icky feelings to, oh, okay, this is uncomfortable and I don't really want to acknowledge this, but I know that I need to in order to do the deep internal work and create the external change that I want in my life. Mm
1: -hmm. So for me, I'm always going to talk like before and now, basically. Um, Before, for me, it was really difficult to bounce back from what I would consider a failure and what today I see as a bad moment or just like a less successful moment. Um, So there was a lot of that black and white mentality going on, where if you fail on one day or if you didn't go on your walk on that lunch, then you basically screwed up and you're done like for the day. It's You can just forget about any efforts you do on that day. They're not going to be valid. Um, so getting rid of that all or nothing mentality was really important for us um, and something we addressed really early on. And I think that also helped us then navigate those good and bad times, relabeling them um, and that also helped me to sit down and say, okay, it's maybe a bad moment because I have a lot to do, but that doesn't mean I cannot make my meals go goal, goal supportive. That doesn't mean I can um, not take a walk later tonight or just add a, f- a few minutes of cardio after my workout. Or, so it's just in general um, learning how to navigate all of those situations basically helps me be a bit more tolerant um, and a bit more understanding of the situation. So I'm, I've just, and that I've noticed, I've become a lot more kind to myself um, and accepting as well of, okay, not everything has to be perfect, but that's perfectly fine. And that's what makes life interesting. And that's what makes me human as well. So,
0: Michelle, do you ever catch yourself? speaking to yourself in one of those older voices from before? And if so, how do you deal with that? I think there's a a misconception that when you go through this recovery process or you hire a coach or you start working on yourself, that it's like, light switch. I'm a new person. Like I don't have to do it. And I know that that's not the case. So I'm kind of leading you up to this answer. But what do you do when maybe one of those old voices creeps back in? How do you address that? so it's i really see it as the
1: angel and the demon on your shoulders so you have the double personality going on um you have on the one side the the diet culture saying you have to eat this to compensate your dinner from yesterday for example that was a bit more calorie dense or oh you should add more cardio because you didn't spend enough energy or whatever um but then those old set, um type of diet cultures behaviors come back. And then it's just a question of letting the small angel on the other side talk back and saying, look, that's, we already learned that's counterproductive. We've had those experiences enough times to now realize that that's not the right way to go about it. And I think that you can really identify those moments if you're being mindful about how you speak about your inner dialogue, um, about how you speak with others, Um, and how you just behave in general. So mindfulness has definitely been a very important part of the process as well.
0: Yes, I think it's so important for us to highlight that because... That voice doesn't go away. I think the way that I often refer to that voice or the the demon on the shoulder is the more that we strengthen our positive self-talk and our affirmations of what we can do, what we are capable of, and these mindful moments, the quieter and quieter and quieter that old voice gets, it loses its power because it's no longer being exercised or practiced. But it still is gonna pop up. And that's why I even think in the introduction of this podcast, I say I'm for ever recovering disordered eater because those things even for someone like me who's been in recovery for a decade at this point they still pop up like oh no quarantine my activity level is going to decrease how can i exercise more to make up for all and it's just sitting with yourself and noticing and naming like whoa wait a second nicole or michelle this was an old thought and i understand where it's coming from but hey that didn't serve me. So here's what I'm going to do in order to acknowledge this in a helpful way. I love that you put it the way that you put it. I think it's so helpful for people to hear it in your voice, not just mine. Thank you. <laughs> so Michelle, you recently shared a resource with me and this resource was called the language of emotions. And I believe that this was introduced to you at a workshop that you went to talking about work-life balance, correct? Correct. Correct. And I want to dive into this resource a little bit more because I kind of was teasing out my favorite parts. And I'll just share a quote from this resource uh, that I really loved. It says, many of us use addictions and distractions to get through our days and deal with the challenging aspects of our lives. Although these practices can help us take our minds off of things, they're not generally forthright ways to deal with troubling situations. As you gently observe your own addictive and avoidant tendencies, it can help to understand why you're distracting yourself and what you're avoiding. And I think this really just sums up everything that we're talking about. So many of us try to avoid and distract ourselves from the icky, less desirable feelings, the feelings that demonstrate to us that we have areas to work on. And you have been doing the exact opposite. You've been embracing that discomfort this year. So if you feel comfortable, Michelle, I would love for you to share with us the ways that you have used distractions to deal with challenging aspects of your life rather than feeling your way through. And you shared a little bit with us early on, but back when, before you decided to make this change, how did you ignore or distract yourself from what you were feeling?
1: Um, So for me, it was just by trying to get control over everything, every single element that I could control. Um, so monitoring sleep, monitoring the amount of water I drink every day, monitoring my food, my calories, my macronutrients, making sure I get enough, um, micronutrients, making sure that I work out enough that I move more than an hour a day, get 10,000 steps. I mean, the list is just endless. And I had so many different metrics that I was trying to achieve. Um, and then, like I mentioned, as soon as one of them wasn't achieved, I basically saw that as. A failure, And that just trickled down and had repercussions on all of those elements. Um, and so distractions were really just self-obsessing about everything that I was doing, um, which then also had consequences, of course, on your social life, because you don't get to be as spontaneous anymore. Um, and then also has repercussions on your relationships, because you're just so focused on trying to change the way you are, that it basically ends up being very counterproductive in your relationships. You've you're feeling frustrated and stressed internally because you're dealing with so much and setting so high expectations for yourself that it basically just yeah, really also has a repercussion on the, either your family, your friends, um, your loved ones. So making sure that you're basically a bit more mindful and just a bit more open, a bit more spontaneous, uh, makes it easier also to come across as more human I don't know whether that makes sense but
0: it makes sense um, to me as a fellow type a recovering perfectionist (laughs) because we are
1: human definitely so yes food and sport were basically metrics that I wanted to monitor um, but ultimately it was because I was unhappy with myself so it really came to practicing more self-love being more aware, more mindful, more accepting of myself. Um, and that basically calmed those distractions down. You're the first one to say we overdo things um, and we don't feel enough. And that's definitely how I was um, feeling it, at least.
0: I think this will be a different concept for a lot of people to process because I never realized in the heat of the moment that our relationship with food and in a lot of ways, our relationship with exercise and with ourselves is just an outlet for how we feel internally. You like control. You like to exercise your ability to make sure that all your ducks are in a row and everything's being checked off. And like you said, you are human. That means you're imperfect. Life is not completely predictable. And when we struggle with that, we over control and we over restrict and we over obsess food and exercise metrics because we can, right? Like we can easily abuse those things. So I think, and for a lot of people, they're not going to relate to what you and I have gone through because it's the inverse for them. When they feel like life is out of control and they um, feel like they just don't know what they're doing and everything is taking over, that often will lead to a binge, right? Instead. And you were able to share your experience earlier on about how over restricting ultimately leaded to binges right for you. And that affected your progress in a detrimental way. So if- I think that we just have to take a look at what about my relationship with food isn't working and how might I define it or describe it. And if it's not healthy, if it's not making me feel happy, what am I looking for that I'm trying to get from my relationship with food misguidedly? Because I really just need to find a way to give that to myself. You need to just find a way to give yourself a little bit more grace, a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more freedom to trust your body. That wasn't taught to you. That wasn't taught to me, right? We were taught to follow the rules. And once you were able to do that internally, you were able to do that with your relationship with food. And your progress has been amazing as a result.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think it's also really a question of, again, listening to your body closely. For me, the I had such high expectations beforehand that it, it led to a very vicious cycle because, of course, you cannot succeed on all of those levels. Um, so you basically end up binging, crashing, and that, again, is just an added and self-inflicted stressor. Um, So that leads to more frustration and then more negative feelings. And so it's just like a very vicious cycle, which is then hard to break and bounce back from. Um, And then on the other hand, and that was in line with the workshop you alluded to earlier, we also learned or I learned during that workshop that really every um, emotion is actually a form of feedback and that those feelings are basically your friends. And I think that just gave me a whole new perception on how do I actually feel negative feelings? So for example, they mentioned that anger is all about respecting your boundaries. So when you feel anger, that means you can't necessarily, or you've overreached or overstepped time at somehow, um, or you don't feel respected in a certain way. Um, happiness as well as one of those really counterproductive ones, we expect to be happy hundred percent of the time, right? And that's just not realistic. So taking a step back and just embracing those happy positive moments is important but then also not having that expectations to be happy 100% of the time is perfectly fine and you should embrace that Um, another one that really resonated with me was the frustration side Um, because yeah during COVID like you said it's a hard time Um, for us gyms closed for a while at work it was a very stressful period Um, I had some unstable family situation. And so I just felt very frustrated at life and I couldn't seem to snap out of it. And that's something I had mentioned during our check-in calls as well. Um, And then I actually questioned myself, but what does that frustration actually mean? How can I translate it into something more meaningful that I can actually move forward with and try to snap out of it? And that frustration actually really meant that I care about all of these things. So I care about the gym, I care about my family, and I care about my job ultimately. And that's how your feeling basically can be translated into a very positive and strong feedback. And I think that was one of those emotionally intelligent aspects that we had to work out on a bit. Um, and yeah, so learning to understand your emotions, learning how to interpret them um, is basically sounds very easy can be very intuitive for some people, but for some people who've been practicing always functioning with that rational mind, it's actually very difficult. And so I'm glad that we got to take also that journey together and learn a bit more about my emotional language, um, get to small things like recognizing hunger cues for me were really difficult at the beginning, uh, but we worked our way through all the way up to what does frustration mean. And I'm very happy about the pro- uh, progress we made so far.
0: I really think, Michelle, that most people have trouble noticing and naming their emotions. I would argue most adults do, because you're right. There is an intuitive aspect of when we're children, like take a baby, for example. If we're crying, it's maybe because we're hungry, right? Like we're clearly giving you a sign or a signal. If we're uncomfortable, maybe we're having like belly upset. We might be fussy. If we're tired or we're angry or we just want to cuddle, right? Like we're very affectionate and outwardly aware of how we feel and we're not afraid to express it and then i think the older we become society sets in and it's like oh toughen up you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps or just deal with it like nobody wants to know what's going on inside your brain like you'll be fine everybody has bad days and i think we kind of suppress and like shrink within ourselves and we put the negative emotions have you ever seen the movie inside out
1: no.
0: <laughs> have to watch it. My therapist actually recommended it to me because I used to put Everything. my negative emotions inside of a circle. And it's this funny little like kid-oriented video or movie about feelings. And in this movie, they talk about how you can't put sadness in a circle, right? Like you have to feel it. It's okay not to be happy all the time. It's okay to have frustration. And like you said, I couldn't have said it better myself. Feelings are our body trying to express something to us. It's a sign. It's a signal. And it's our job to listen, not to ignore, distract, numb, but to actually just figure out like, what do I need to do in order to make this right? And in order to feel better, it sounds like a really, probably a foreign concept for a lot of people. I mean, you were ready to do it. You were ready to embrace this change, but I don't know if a lot of people know how they feel on a daily basis, right? They're just going through the motions. And I think this year, for example, we're seeing a lot of
1: stress, but where does that stress come from? Is it actually you feeling burned out? Is it you not having any energy? Is it you being depressed? Is it Are you sad? Are you angry? I mean, stress is such a broad term. It can be translated in different ways as well. So getting really into the itty-gritty of what that feeling means and where it comes from and why you actually feel it can actually then be translated and it just makes a lot more sense afterwards you know exactly how to pick yourself up or you just accept that negative feeling in a much more peaceful way and you say okay that's because
0: i care okay i can deal with that and then you move forward basically and i think that's step one so acknowledge the feeling noticing naming it calling it out for what it is but then i think the second part michelle that we haven't talked too much about is acting on it so noticing and, and naming how I'm feeling is great, but then what am I going to do about it? So like you said, frustration, is that coming because my boundaries are being overstepped? You and I worked on that a lot at the beginning, because like you said, your work demands were through the roof and you had to have a conversation, right? With the people that you work with and say, Hey, I'm feeling like I've got a lot on my plate. Is there maybe something we can delegate, something we can do to kind of even this spread, and you mentioned earlier, your lunch breaks, taking that time for yourself to soak up some sun, pop in a podcast, but like, don't be thinking about work. So it's noticing and naming what you're feeling, but then drawing those healthy boundaries and acting on, whoa, I need some more me time or, whoa, I need to be having more healthy, open conversations with my loved ones or, whoa, I realize that I let people step on me and I'm not actually speaking up for what I need. So I think that's a big part of it too. Would you agree? 100%. Yeah. Nothing bad there. I think you you hit it on the nail. <laughs> <laughs> so Michelle, well, I feel like we could talk about this all day. I mean, you and I can talk for hours and hours on end, but I'm gonna give you the stage because this has been your journey. You have made amazing progress and you've created a really solid foundation. So I know that now we're moving into a little bit more of a body composition focus, but we're doing that in a very safe and health promoting way and you have chosen not to track aggressively certain metrics which i I think people would find interesting as well right like fitness is a passion of yours body composition change is a great goal to have but you don't need to count or obsess over calories in order to do so you don't need to weigh out your food or micromanage your macros in order to do so You have the foundational skills now of mindful eating, of listening to your body, of making sure that your body's nourished, body mind, and soul. And so now you can go on to really create any body composition change you want to from here. So I think that's worth mentioning. It wasn't on my radar to talk about, but that's a big deal too. Do you feel more confident as you refocus or pivot towards a fat loss goal now than you did previously because of the tools you have in your toolbox? I think it was really good for me to
1: get all of that knowledge before starting to work together. I do not regret tracking my macros because it made me very knowledgeable about the food that I eat. I now naturally tend to healthier foods. I know exactly what food is worth what, so I I can be very mindful about how I nourish myself and that's why I think today I'm able to lose some fat as well without having to track aggressively. Um, because all of that knowledge and foundation was already set. I would, however, say that it it does play on my mind sometimes, Um, knowing that we want to lose some fat, knowing that I want to have a bit of a recon. I do sometimes still look at my plate and think, hmm, how much do I have in this plate? And then it's, again, that discussion between the angel and the demon. Like, do you really have to know, or can you just now listen to your body and accept how it makes you feel and then you'll just eat whenever you're hungry. And like you said, we it's like a, a baby, right? We are supposed to know when we're hungry um, and that's something that we've, we've also grown my sensibility to. So today I managed to very easily identify when I'm hungry, when I feel satiated, whether that meal was um, a satisfaction or not. And so with those three pillars, we actually get to see Progress And that progress also comes from the knowledge that, like I mentioned, i built earlier because we do focus still on healthy nourishment. It's not just you're not tracking, but you're going free um, in the world. It's a lot about making the right choices, um, be it balance plates, or be it just portion management. Um, I think there is good things to learn from tracking I think it is definitely some, a good tool to have, um, but I simply do not feel comfortable to have that because I know it's not sustainable. And I know that in 10 years, I don't see myself counting my calories. So that's why I'm, I'm choosing to go this route to make it a bit more sustainable.
0: Music to my ears, right? Like This is why I refuse to call myself an intuitive eating nutrition coach or a macro tracking nutrition coach because both have things to teach us. We can exist in this messy middle space where I agree with you, understanding macronutrients and the roles that they play in our bodies has a really important part in being healthy and creating the relationships with food and the body composition changes that we want. But so does knowing how to listen to our body. So I think You found this beautiful medley of both. And I love that you alluded to no regrets because that got me here. And I'm often telling you, hey, if something doesn't work, it just pushes us closer towards the direction of what does, right? Again, turning failure into feedback. So Michelle, I lied earlier. I said I was going to give you the stage. Now I'm going to give you the stage. (laughs) I want to give you the last word. What would you want to share? with someone listening, a woman listening who was sitting in your shoes last spring, feeling a little bit lost, feeling a little bit overwhelmed and like she had this white knuckle grip on her relationship with food, her nutrition, her exercise what did you need to hear in that moment? Um, Perfection is not healthy
1: so I would definitely tell you to try to be more kind to yourself respect what your body is actually asking you Um, if you're for example having eating disorders like i had it is a a sign that your body is sending you it means that something is not going right and listening to your body will ultimately bring you to a place where you'll feel a lot more happy a lot more mindful about the choices and a lot more human as well so being vulnerable is a strength more than a weakness Um, i had to learn that the the hard way. Um, but you should really not be afraid to reach out to people, get a support system. I think the more I've been talking to people about those eating disorders and so on, the more I've actually heard women resonate with with what I was saying. And I think that's so powerful in itself because that just goes to show that we never talk about those things. So getting vocal about the issue is perfectly normal. And you'll see there's a lot of people who actually resonate with what you do, um, just don't be afraid basically to take that leap of faith and one change. Um, if it's, if you're always in the same pattern and always resulting to the same behaviors, basically something is not working, obviously. And so it's good to sometimes challenge the status quo to find a, basically a better, more sustainable future. So yeah, be more tolerant with yourself. That would definitely be my, my key takeaway for this call. <laughs>
0: Grace. Yeah, grace. We all need a little bit of grace. And you know, I'm all about that moderation mindset. Perfection is a 100% failure rate. So we don't need to be shooting for it. And yeah, there's a lot to be said about the stigma around disordered eating and just struggling in general as a woman who feels like she doesn't have it all together. And you're right. The more we talk about it, the more we realize, oh my gosh, this is not a me thing. This is a almost universal thing. I mean, the percentage of women who struggle with their bodies, their relationships with food is astonishing. And I think the more people we have like you who are willing to say, Hey, I know what it's like. And you don't have to stay there, right? Like you don't have to do it alone. If what you're doing isn't working, maybe you don't have all the answers. Maybe you just need to reach out for some help. And I think having someone who is as brave as you are helps give them the strength that they need to do exactly that. So Michelle, thank you so freaking much for sharing a little bit about your journey. I just love you and appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. It was really an honor um, to be part of this podcast.
1: I think it's really nice. Like you mentioned, to be able to be brought in and meet you thanks to the podcast and now also take part in it. So thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: The Circle of Life. Thank you so much for being on as a guest, Michelle. I appreciate you. And I know that this will speak into the lives of so many. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.